You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the show. I have another solo show for you today all about resistance to change, which I think is such an important topic for us to really dive into today. But before we talk about that, I wanted to give you a little life update. So after several weeks of traveling in Europe, and then I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, I finally made my way back home to Connecticut for at least the rest of July and all of August. And it feels really good. I feel so grateful to have wonderfully supportive and loving parents. And to be honest, one of the silver linings of the breakup I went through this spring is that my relationship with my parents has drastically transformed and restored itself to one that's really positive. For a while, I was kind of building a wall against my parents because I was trying to protect my relationship, and I had a lot of shame around my relationship, and even though there were many reasons why that relationship was good and why I was staying in that relationship, there was just part of me that didn't feel completely aligned and secure in it, and my parents could sense that. And I hid a lot from them because I was just in this really protective mode and didn't want to face the music in a way. So living with them has been so joyful and hilarious. My mom and I watched The Bachelor last night and we were cracking ourselves up and my dad is helping me create a little recording studio in the basement for the podcast And we're actually going to Marshall's later today to find cute little like art and plants and things to put behind me. So hopefully we can start having more visual podcasts and maybe even do some YouTube videos. So stay tuned for that. I definitely feel like I am very aligned in this stage of my life and I'm meant to be here right now. And my plan is to be here for a few months and hopefully have clarity on where I'm supposed to be after that. So anyway, that's my latest update. Also, I have been really sinking my teeth into reconnecting with old friends and people from my high school who weren't even friends but are still, you know, they have their lives here and it's been really fun. I'm like kind of creating a girl squad, which 
I'm all about community and connection. So it's really nice to have time to focus on friendships instead of romantic relationships. So that's kind of my vibe right now. So any listeners in Connecticut ever want to get together, let me know. I'd love to meet you. All right. So let's talk about resistance to change. I've said this quote a million times, and essentially it is, your resistance to change is causing more suffering than making the change itself. All right, I'm going to repeat it. Your resistance to change is causing more suffering than making the change itself. So think about a moment in your life you are truly suffering. It could be your eating disorder experience. It could be a difficult relationship. It could be a job that was torturing you day to day, just being so stressful. Essentially, suffering is a sign of resistance. Suffering is a sign usually that something needs to change. So what in your life were you resisting at that time? What were you afraid of? When you think about that period in your life, what helped the suffering end? You might find that often our suffering stops when we make a change. Even though change is scary and often painful temporarily, it is a necessary element in life for your personal growth and expansion as a soul in the universe. So when a change is made and you give yourself space to feel the emotions and pain and discomfort surrounding it, you will eventually feel a lot better than you did when you were living with resistance. Living in a state of resistance is just straight up turmoil. I mean, you're in constant conflict between you and yourself. (laughs) Sound familiar? It's like the crux of having an eating disorder. So pain is temporary, but suffering is optional. So if you find that you are long-term suffering, again, this is a sign that change is probably necessarily so you can break free. Taking action and making change will feel painful. And I just want to throw it out there. Recovery gets worse before it gets better. When you let go of your coping mechanism, which is your eating disorder, it's going to feel horrible at first. But staying stuck in your illness will essentially suffocate your soul. And I want you to think about taking action towards recovery as setting your soul free. Whenever I feel conflicted in life, I feel like I can't feel fully joyful or fully alive. There's always this dark cloud kind of in my head or like whispering in the background causing me pain. And when you can let go of your resistance to change and align with a better life and have the courage to make that change, you will find you can align with things like joy and freedom and even more self-love. It's truly amazing And I'm speaking from personal experience with my eating disorder and also the recent breakup. So there is a awesome quote in the eight keys to recovering from an eating disorder workbook by Carolyn Costin. 
from Key 6. And side note, some of what I talk about will be derived from this key in the book. So I want to give credit to Carolyn Costin and Gwen Schubert Grab for parts of this episode today. But the quote in the Eight Keys book is, some people prefer the certainty of misery rather than the uncertainty of change. And I want you to check in with yourself and notice if this quote resonates with you. And unfortunately, I see this mirrored in my clients quite often. Misery of your eating disorder is certain, so it's known, and the uncertainty of change is really scary. But the only way you can break free is to make the change and see for yourself if it's really going to be as terrible as you think it is. And let me tell you, nobody who's ever recovered will say that they regret making the changes they did. So, unfortunately, there is no other way around recovery. You have to take action and change your behaviors in order to break free. You can listen to all the podcasts, read all the books, watch all the YouTubers, go to as many online workshops that are available to you. But if you're not taking action, you will not heal. (laughs) It's really that simple. This means you've got to be okay with getting messy, being imperfect, taking risks, feeling uncomfortable, letting your body change. And you also have to believe that there is a better life on the other side of it. You just have to trust that that will happen, even if you don't have the proof. However, there's a lot of proof out there. (laughs) Often, you need to address resistance first. So I've created a few questions. I actually have three here that I'd love for you to journal about. So I suggest getting out a pen and paper and journaling your answers, maybe at a later time. Listen to this first and then go back again maybe tomorrow or this afternoon or evening and journal your answers to these questions. So the first question to ask yourself is, what are the obstacles in the way of change? And this question will help with very basic insight on why you aren't making change. And I wanted to give you a few examples just so you can get your brain kind of thinking about yourself. So an obstacle that might be in the way of you making change is that perhaps you live in a dieting household and there's diet foods in the cabinet and everyone's counting calories and you actually connect better with, say, your mom or your dad when you talk about dieting. So think about how that obstacle is so legitimate and so difficult to overcome. You know, that's one example and it requires some problem solving or maybe some communication with your family in order to get around that obstacle. Maybe you're at the point where moving is the best option to protect your recovery. It's really up to you. Other obstacles in the way of change, financial limitations, that is truly a big one. I know 
especially in the United States, treatment can become astronomically expensive. But there are nonprofits such as Project Heal that will provide some sort of financial relief or treatment that is given at a sliding scale. So definitely look into your financial options. So don't say that you don't have the means for treatment if you haven't looked into Project Heal. Also, another obstacle might be overcoming stigma, either stigma that you have internally or stigma among your friends and family. Another obstacle could be fear of asking for help. You know, what do you believe about yourself if you ask for help? You need to recognize asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of being resourceful. You are utilizing those around you to help you out. And often people are honored when they are asked for help. People want to feel needed. They want to feel important. They want to feel trusted. When you ask for help, that's kind of a compliment. So I want you to start reframing your thoughts around asking for help if that resonates with you. And finally, another big obstacle I hear of all the time is overcoming the fear of gaining weight. And this one often requires a lot of education, breaking free from diet culture. It requires uh, body acceptance work. This is definitely a very difficult one to overcome because we've all been kind of enmeshed into this diet culture mentality from the time we were really young. And with diet culture mentality comes a lot of fat phobia. So I highly recommend that you continue listening to episodes of this podcast, connect with body liberationists on social media and fat activists and the health at every size movement to really start overcoming that fear. And if you need a refresher, I also have a podcast episode about that subject, which is episode 27, how to overcome the fear of gaining weight. So definitely check that one out. Okay, another question, which will be pivotal <laughs> in your unpacking of your resistance is what will you lose when you make this change? And you can think about change by change, like what will you lose when you stop restricting? Or on a macro level, like what will you lose when you are fully recovered? So for the example of being fully recovered, it can get pretty enlightening and eye-opening to ask yourself this question because it can show a little bit about why you're clinging on to your eating disorder so tightly. So again, the question is, what will you lose when making this change? And it could be something as deep as you will lose attention and concern and care from your family members. I've seen this a lot where people who are really stuck in an eating disorder have taken on the eating disorder because when they were young, they connected it with, oh, when I do these things, 
and I have these symptoms, my family cares for me more or they are more concerned about me and they prioritize me. And so if that's something you are struggling with, which by the way is more common than you might think, that is something you will have to overcome in order to reach recovery. You will have to accept maybe that your family might not give you as much attention and care when you are recovered, or you might have to redefine your definition of family care and what that looks like, or change your expectations that you have for your family. Another thing you might lose when making this change could be you might lose the perfect body and all of the praise and attention you get from that. You might also lose your sense of control, and that can be extremely overwhelming and intimidating to face. And of course, another thing you might lose when letting go of your eating disorder is your favorite coping mechanism. (laughs) When emotions get difficult, perhaps you've leaned on your eating disorder to cope, and if you recover, you will lose your favorite coping mechanism. But the cool thing is you will gain healthy coping mechanisms and flexibility and adaptability when you let go of the eating disorder. And finally, another example of something you might lose is your identity. Maybe you have this identity at work as the girl who is super quote, healthy or the fit girl or the disciplined one, or maybe it's more you're the sick one and that identity has been benefiting you to some degree. So again, the question you want to ask yourself is what will you lose when making this change? And it's important to get all of this on paper to just understand why you are resisting so much. And when you can uncover all of this, it's easier to have self-compassion for yourself and maybe even problem solve around, okay, how can I meet this need in another way? And that brings me to my third question, which is what needs are being met by my eating disorder? Unfortunately, eating disorders exist because they are helping you meet some need that's been unmet. That might be the need for certainty, the need for fitting in, the need for feeling special, the need to keep yourself small and invisible. It might even help you meet the need of emotional control. And of course, I want you to all to think of your own answers that are unique to your experience. These are just ones that I came up with when planning this episode. But again, what needs are being met by your eating disorder. And the goal is to look at this list and see how you might be able to meet these needs without leaning on the eating disorder. So for instance, if your eating disorder gives you a sense of emotional control, maybe you can set a goal with your therapist on how to start utilizing coping skills and grounding techniques and ways to soothe yourself when you feel out of control emotionally. 
Or you can challenge the need and say, okay, does my ED really make me fit in? Or am I actually isolating myself? Does my eating disorder actually make me fit in? Or are my connections really superficial and fake? (laughs) Right? Ah, there's so many ways you can kind of break free from this disordered mindset. I know I use my eating disorder to fit in in a way where I wanted to look cool and be chic and have that thin model aesthetic. So it gave me that sense of fitting in, but I didn't really make deep connections with my lifeguard friends, for instance, until the summer I was recovered. So it's just funny. And those friends are my lifelong friends now, you know, but I really wasn't connected with them until I let go of the eating disorder. Those are the three questions. Again, they are, what are the obstacles in the way of change? What will you lose when making this change? And what needs are being met by your eating disorder? And when you ask yourself these questions, you will unpack a lot. And when you see everything on paper, the first thing I want you to do is have compassion for yourself and the place you are at, because you will see that you have many valid reasons to take on your ED in the first place. The greatest challenge is finding a way to let go of or accept that these things will be different when you let go of your eating disorder and break free. You've got to trust that you will open up space for better things that are more authentic and true for your life. So here are some common reasons for resistance listed from the eight keys book that I mentioned earlier. I wanted to list some of these out again so that you can fully start to see your own resistance to change. So some of the most common reasons for resistance include, I don't feel ready for change. And I want to ask you, will you ever feel completely ready? In fact, you don't need to feel completely ready to make a change. The next is, I don't know where to start. Yes, starting recovery can feel overwhelming. And it may feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. My recommendation is start building a treatment team if you can. So maybe where you can start is researching eating disorder therapists in your area or dietitians, And then they will actually give you the blueprint. And of course, coaches too. They will give you the blueprint that you need to make those baby steps. Another common reason for resistance, I'm afraid of what will happen, right? Many of the questions above help you unpack that. I don't think I'm strong enough. My behaviors are automatic and out of my control, and therefore, I cannot change. Another reason for resistance is I don't have tolerance or patience to change, right? You might even just say, I don't like change. Another common reason for resistance is Some people can change, but I can't. So this is the I am a special unicorn mentality. 
I am the exception. And this one is just another sign that you are trying to maintain that sense of control. And I'm just wondering, why are you putting yourself in that category of limitation? Why is it that you can see all of these other examples of change around you, but you won't give yourself permission to have the ability to change? That one just really breaks my heart. There is so much evidence out there in the world that people can make change. So you should be saying to yourself, I am one of those people. I can make change. It is possible for me. Look at all of this evidence in the world. I am not the exception. I am just like these people. I can do it. That's what I want you to think. Also, other reasons for resistance. I don't think I have what it takes to make the change, or I don't think what it takes is worth it. You might even think, if I change, people's expectations of me will change. And I've heard this one a lot too. There's always this fear that if I recover, then other people will have higher expectations for my life. And I'm afraid that if that happens, I might fail at their other expectations. So the ED is keeping you really to this low level, but it's also protecting you from potential failure in the future. Another one is, my eating disorder is way better than it used to be, so more change is unnecessary. But again, why are you settling for mediocre? Why are you settling for quasi-recovery? There is a better life way beyond where you are now. And if you think back to your sickest, and now you are here in a better place, imagine how far you can be and how much more free you can feel if you continue on. So change is always necessary. Even after you recover, change is necessary for your own personal growth, expansion, healing, and just becoming a more full, authentic, interesting person. Okay. Every reason for resistance is rooted in some sort of belief about yourself in recovery. So think about your reasons for resistance and reflect on what belief do I hold about myself? What does this say about my own beliefs about myself or recovery in general? And in order to overcome your reasons for resistance, you need to be open to changing your mindset or beliefs about yourself. So for instance, if you believe I don't have tolerance for change, this can be switched to I am open to learning how to tolerate change, okay? So again, you go from having a brick wall that is preventing you from making change because you're saying this strong belief, I don't have tolerance for change. That's such an inflexible, disordered thought. If you change that to, I am open to learning how to tolerate change, your world opens up. Another example is, for instance, I don't think I'm strong enough to change, right? 
that can turn into, I am building up my strength every day. So instead of having that inflexible belief, I don't think I'm strong enough, just saying I am building strength every day. I am learning to increase my strength or my courage every day. That can really help. And in general, some overall tips for making change, and I'll probably dive into this in another episode down the road. Once you've made a change, just pause for a moment. Don't react. Allow yourself to exist in that space of change. Expect the emotions to be difficult. Allow yourself a chance to feel what it is like when you stick to that change. If you react right away, you're not even giving yourself a moment to sit with the change. So resist the temptation to reverse and go backwards back into your disordered patterns or behaviors. For instance, I know often people might reach their goal weight set for them by their team And then once they hit it, they have this intense reaction to start restricting again out of fear that they're going to go over this. What I ask is that you just pause and chill out and let yourself exist in the new body size. Give yourself a chance to breathe in that space. Allow yourself to create new memories and relationships and experiences in that new version of your body. Your brain will adapt. And believe it or not, people around you will adapt to the change. People are adaptable. People are resilient. Humans are programmed to adapt to change and consistently improve. So a few mantras I want to leave you with to wrap up this episode are, I am adaptable. Okay, say this to yourself. I am adaptable. Another one is, I have patience with this change. Okay, so I have patience with this change. Another one is, I am courageous. You want to give yourself that little courage boost. And finally, I can tolerate more than I expect. Okay, these are mantras that I really want you to think about and reflect on when it is time to make change. So again, I am adaptable. I have patience with this change. I am courageous. I can tolerate more than I expect. All right. Okay, guys. With that, I hope you are feeling inspired and perhaps this has inspired you to make a small or big change in your recovery. And here's just a friendly reminder that when you do make a change, celebrate it somehow. Reach out to your coach, reach out to your therapist. Let people know that you made the change and no change is too small. No victory is too small in recovery. Don't take your changes for granted. Don't glaze over them. Don't say, oh, it could have been better. It's not good enough. Really take a moment to acknowledge that you did make a change and that the change is supportive of your big picture. And I want to also 
just say thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. And if you learned something valuable from the show, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple iTunes. It's really important and it helps us spread the word about the show. And my goal is to just consistently reach as many people as I can who need the help. So with that, thank you all for showing up for doing the recovery work and I will catch you next time. Have a beautiful day.